Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please, come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. evening and welcome to yet another edition of the disney brit radio show live on orlando sky radio i hope you're having a wonderful week and those of you who are in the uk you're not listening to this in too snowy conditions because we know just how terrible it all is out there but joining me as always is alan hello alan here i adam how you doing i've been worse I'm, been worse. I'm on my half-term holiday so i can't really complain oh so it's all right outside i'm guessing sorry You've got your feet up, you're sitting outside. Yes, I'm sitting outside, I've got a barbecue, uh, you know, it's just beautiful sunshine. Uh, those of you who are listening to this in the US, uh, we've had a lot of snow recently. In fact, the, they were saying on the weather rec- uh, today, I think it was, that this is the most freak sort of wintry weather we've had in spring for a very, very long time. So um, yeah. it's all a bit weird here. But you're okay, because you're up north where I think you had it worse than we did, didn't you? Yeah, well, it's, it's averaging about two degrees at the moment. Um, right. We've had minus one the day, a couple of days ago. Um, and looking on the weather forecast, apparently this time last year, yeah, we had sort of 22 degrees centigrade. Yeah, well, well, we were talking about this the other day and saying that this time last year, we were sort of having wonderful barbecues outside and stuff. And, and it's not happening this year because it's just so miserable and horrible outside. Yeah, it is. Um, well... You've got me and Alan. Um, yep. Juz is on his way. He'll be here eventually. Uh, we're just kind of waiting for him to appear. Uh, but he will be coming along a little bit later. We've got a bit of a mishmash of all sorts of things to talk to you about uh, today. Because uh, it's not only us that have been having horrendous weather in the UK. But over the past couple of days, Orlando has had well, storms. Storms that have, have affected the centre of Orlando. It's affected the theme parks. There's been photos. Photos posted on facebook on twitter all sorts of stuff of the damage that's been caused at universal at disney and all those sort of things and it got us thinking um what happens if you are at walt disney world during a storm and also what is kind of the policies and everything of walt disney world if there's a hurricane and and you are supposed to be going on vacation that sort of stuff so we're going to have a look a little bit at that as well today um we're also going to bring you some audio it's a, it's a couple of weeks late but we were going to bring it to you a couple of weeks ago but then we had the wonderful lee cockrell on and uh, we were talking about some of the bits and pieces so we didn't have time for it but uh, craig duncan you know good old dunks went along to the european um press conference for oz the great and powerful and while he was there he managed to get some audio of some of the questions that were asked and got to meet people like mila kunis and all that i'm not jealous at all but there you go um so we're going to bring you some of the audio from that particular press conference as well and we've got some news and rumors to do too so we've got quite a lot of stuff to get through on this show so i suppose uh without any further ado we should get on with some uh, some nice things shall we start what should we start off let's start off with <laughs> A little bit. Of, what are you laughing at? 
I was going to say, you're going to say, we should start off with some Disney news and no, you're about to press your jingle. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm going to do Disney news later, actually. So okay. I suppose you think you're funny, don't you? And in fact, you're just very wrong, because that's not what we're starting off with. We're <laughs> going to start off with uh, with something a little bit different. We're going to start off with hurricane stuff. Okay, here we go. You are listening to the Disney Brit Radio Show, live on Orlando Sky Radio. Okay, so we are talking a little bit about I think some dramatic music. For all hurricane stuff. But um, I don't know whether you've noticed or seen, Alan, some of the horrendous stuff that's been going on over at the parks over the past couple of days. I have seen some photos. There's there's, there's one that's sort of been plastered around quite a bit, which is outside Tower of Terror. Yeah. But there seems to be a lot more damage over Universal Way. It does seem Universal have been hit much harder than, than Walt Disney World. And what I'm not sure about is whether or not this is because uh, Universal haven't built their attractions as well. Or whether the path of the, the storm hit more universal than it did Walt Disney World. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say it was the path. Yeah, we'll just wanna, say it's the path because I don't want to upset anyone. It's, oh, hang on. Lee's on the phone. Uh, I'll just cut him off. There we go. Right. Um, yeah, I don't want to upset anyone at Universal <laughs> by suggesting that their construction material is not as good as Disney. So I don't think that's necessarily true. But it does seem that Universal got hit a lot worse. But one of the things we weren't quite sure about was um, whether or not or what kind of happened with, with Disney vacations if there was a hurricane. And believe it or not, Disney do have a hurricane policy. This is actually true. Um, they have a hurricane policy, which uh, comes into force every year. Uh, hurricane season in Orlando, somewhere between sort of June and October, roughly. And uh, if you are due to go... Oh, well, let me read you what it says on the Walt Disney World website. And bearing in mind, this is um, if you book pass- pa- packages and most room-only bookings at either Walt Disney World, the Vero Beach Resort, or the Hilton Head Island Resort. And this section is kind of the information for 2012, although it's not really changed over the past couple of years, um, because... Um, They've obviously not updated it for 2013 because the hurricane season hasn't come around yet. But if you want to find it, it's really actually dead easy to find. Disneyworld.disney.go.com. And then you can go to the plan. Then you can go to frequently asked questions. And you can find the hurricane policy, which is on there as well. So uh, let me explain a little bit about what their hurricane policy is. And I know this is something... I'd, have you ever thought about this? Because I've never considered it. I've, I've not really... Well, I suppose you don't think about it until you're heading over there, don't you? No, it's always something to know in a, uh, ahead of time I think the last probably two or three times I've been to Walt Disney World there's always been a, a possible tropical storm on the coast and they were never yep. sure whether it was going to turn in or not luckily it never has but yeah. um, you know this is something that people need to be aware of so what does it say uh, this temporary policy they say when does it become effective and according to Disney it's effective in the event of a hurricane warning that is issued no more than seven days before your scheduled arrival date by the hurricane by the National Hurricane Center for the Orlando area or for your place of residence. Also effective in the event of a hurricane warning is issued for the Vero Beach area and Hilton Head area for guests traveling to those destinations. Um, so that you kind of get the two choices if you've booked a package, but we'll explain a little bit about what happens if you are at the resort as well. So if a hurricane warning is issued by the National Hurricane Centre for the Orlando area or your place of residence no more than seven days before your scheduled arrival date, you may call in advance to reschedule, reschedule or cancel 
your Walt Disney World travel company, Magic Your Way vacation package, and most Runa-only reservations booked directly with Disney, without any cancellation or change fees imposed by Disney. This also applies to Vero Beach and Hilton Head. Now, I didn't know that, and I think that's quite good. Have you noticed that they are emphasising, though, um, cancelling your Walt Disney travel company, Magic Your Way package? Yes, but it's uh, if it's done directly through Disney now... If yep. this is, if you're booking through an external third party, you need to check with them what the details are with regards to that. But uh, it does say, will I be responsible for any cancellation or charges? If you have any, if you have products or services provided by third parties, uh, suppliers included in your vacation, such as airlines, hotels, car rental agencies, or vacation insurance companies, you will continue to be responsible for any non-refundable payments as well as cancellation or change fees assessed by those suppliers. Okay, so obviously doesn't include those. Um, yeah. So what if I prefer to reschedule my vacation to a different date because of a hurricane warning? Will I be able to get the same accommodation? Uh, if you are scheduled to arrive within seven days of the hurricane warning, you may call us in advance to reschedule without imposing any fees. All amounts you pay to Disney for rooms, theme park tickets, Disney dining plans, and other Disney products and services will be applied towards your new reservation. Any discounts or free offers applicable to your original vacation will not apply to the rescheduled vacation. We cannot guarantee availability of similar accommodation on your new dates. The policy does not apply to certain special events and dining experiences. Um... It then carries on to say, uh, I did not book my package through the Walt Disney Company. Does this policy apply to me? No, you should contact your travel agent. And if I have a sports package or group package, does this policy apply to my package? No. The policy only applies to the Walt Disney Travel Company Magic Your Way packages. It does not apply to sports, youth and other group or special event rooms or packages and does not apply to meetings and conventions. So if you have booked one and you are planning on going out to Disney World and there's any sort of hurricane, tropical storm, that sort of thing, then give Disney a ring because there may be some way of doing it. And guest information. If you live in the UK, 0800 1690730 or if you're in Florida, 407-939-7718. So there's the uh, the hurricane warning, the hurricane policy, which um, it's quite interesting that they've got one. I'm not convinced every company has one of those. Have you ever had been there when there's been sort of really bad weather there? I've been when there's been kind of a tropical storm or the edge of a tropical storm coming by, but never has it been horrendous. I... I think the worst I've ever experienced is being in Epcot and having to hop from one umbrella to another umbrella <laughs> because it's pelting it down with rain. But, oh, that's standard, isn't it? Yeah, but that's that's about it, really. Um, um, we stopped at the Hilton at Downtown Disney once, yeah. and we were sort of looking out the front rooms, the front room of the hotel. Yeah, and we noticed that the clouds were sort of coming around, and it was getting heavier rain, and all of a sudden there was a lot of lightning. Yeah. And I was quite amazed by this because I was quite young at the time. So I got my camcorder out and I was videoing all this lightning. Anyway, the rain sort of built up so much and we actually put the, new, the news channel on and it was a tropical storm was passing through downtown Disney. Mm. And um, the rain and the wind got so much that it was actually blowing through the double glazing on the windows. Right. We had to sort of pack mm. towels against the windows. Now, it uprooted a few trees. It flooded the, I think it's, is it Hotel Boulevard? Yes or something like that it flooded that street the cars were sort of disappearing under the water it was it was impressive as an onlooker and we were relatively safe being in our hotel room right okay um, but I do know a few of the people who have actually had a lot worse experiences oh they have you know some people have got 
stuck in the heart of it. And um, one of the really interesting things in uh, we're sort of continuing our theme of Lee Cockrell um, <laughs> in his book about creating the magic, um, there's a really interesting section about how he worked with um, sort of guests and cast members in Walt Disney World to um, make sure their experience was um, was still pleasurable. But just to give you a breakdown of how Disney deals and prepares for a hurricane, there's kind of five phases, really. You've got phase five, where they monitor a storm as possible. So they review their current plan, checklist, business recovery plans. They review personal and resource availability for the ride-out crew, verify contact numbers and emergency data, prepare Walt Disney World Emergency Operations Center for activation. Then phase four, which is the storms likely within 24 to 36 hours. They had general readiness imposed, brief personnel, uh, review checklists, consider possible shutdown of long lead in operations and not starting extended operations. So that's anything that might be an extended opening hours or it might be refurbishments, those sort of things. Limited activation and staffing of Walt Disney World Emergency Operations Center. So they've started to sort of uh, run it. Storm is probable within 12 to 24 hours is phase three. They intensify cleanup and tie down, prepare for phase two activity, selected ride out crew personnel, given the opportunity to secure their personal property. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Not themselves, just their personal property. Turn in excess radios and vehicles. Walt Disney World Emergency Operations Center opens and is fully staffed. So they have their own operation center. Uh, it says, note, generally this is when Walt Disney World Emergency Operations Center, Command Center, and Command Post will be fully activated. However, this is down to whatever the executive uh, team decide. Then phase two, which means the storm is impending. It is literally on its way. Uh, the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, and Downtown Disney all closed. Guest campground trailers removed and secured by the guest. Schedule hotel and campground guests notified of conditions. Complete all cleanup and tie down a short of shutdown. Authorised ride-out families move to pre-designated shelters. Ride-out crew fully staffed at start of phase one are as directed by Walt Disney World Emergency Operations Centre and personnel not in ride-out crew released as soon as possible. And then phase one, which is storm imminent, take shelter, shut down all activities and immediately take shelter, fulfilled ride-out requirement plans. So literally, that is the order that they follow. And all the way through that, they allow guests... Um, they, they kind of tell guests what's going on. If you're particularly staying in a Disney resort, you get information that's brought into your room or put under your door. You get information through the state televisions and all those sort of things. And if it gets to the point where they have to close the parks down completely, then have you heard what sort of Disney do with that? Um, they just uh, lock the gates and that's it. <laughs> yeah, they just leave you. No, they, they put all sorts of activities on in the resort hotels. So you'll find characters around in the lobbies. There'll be extra activities that are going on within the resort. So cast members who might have been working in the theme parks who can get in will quite often be sent to the resorts to go and work in the resorts with guests. So guests can still have an experience in the resort hotel, even if they're not physically in a theme park. They're still getting a vacation. Um, so that's quite an interesting so there's still sort plenty to do. There's still plenty to do, yeah. There's still plenty You're not going to be bored. Uh, I just say post-storm phase, command centre submits situation report to Walt Disney World Emergency Operations Centre, establish business resumptions, recovery schedule, notify employees through media and cast member emergency lines of callback as directed by Walt Disney World Emergency Operations Centre. Now, luckily, most of that didn't need to happen for the, the storm that came yesterday. I think the yep. worst thing that happened really was there was a large tree that came down outside Tower of Terror. Uh, but there wasn't a massive amount that was done. So obviously the, the, the post-storm phase with regards to that would be very, very minimal. They just need to remove the tree and replant a few things, and they could do that quite easily overnight. Yeah, um, everything seems to happen overnight as well. It does, yeah. Um, 
when we had the sort of bad storm several years ago, it was literally the next morning. It was as though the gardeners had just been out and sort of tidied up the area. Yeah, it, it wasn't as though there's been trees uprooted. It was no. just a quick clean up. So uh, you know, if you need to, um, if you're going out and you, you still need to go on your vacation in the summer when they're expecting something to happen, then don't be concerned that Disney don't have it covered because they really do have it covered. Um, but yeah, there we go. That's a little bit of information. It was it was kind of weird. It just kind of hit me today, and I sort of thought, you know what? I don't know what actually happens. No, no, it's it's important that you should actually know. Yeah, I think it's very important that people who are going know, you know, because as much as people go out have been every year and say, oh, "I've been for the past six years, I haven't hit a hurricane yet," you know, there's no certainty to say yes, you will or no, you won't. And it's kind of important that a lot of people know what's going to happen to them. Uh, if they go out there and if there's going to be an issue and what they should do but certainly the one thing to do is to get yourself inside get yourself locked away don't be out wandering around trying to find you know something you know trying to find somewhere that's open that'll give you a pretzel at three o'clock in the afternoon when there's a storm coming don't don't head to the UK at Epcot and get a kite (laughs) let's all fly a kite bit of Mary Poppins Uh, but I I bet you um just is just is obviously listening in because he's now here. So we'll add him in in a second. He reckons that you should uh, you should wander around because because the rides will be quiet. That would be true. It, it'd be very true. It'd be they'd be so quiet. The Can I just make... point out? Oh, he's here now. Here he is. <laughs> when I went and and it was they classed it as dreadful. Yeah. And they were shocked when we go. Yeah, this is a normal day in the UK. And I just went to the parks. I couldn't believe how quiet they were. Yeah, it's true. Apart yeah. from a load of English people going. All right. Another day, sunny. Yeah, lovely. It's a bit, it's a bit uh, sunny today. Anyway, how are you? I'm grand, thank you. Because and, I know you're um, a little bit late. Your good self? I'm, I'm not too bad, thank you. We're talking about wind. Um, ah, that means Alan must be on the show. That Alan's on yep. the show, talking about wind, yeah. I'm so. still here. Hang <laughs> it in. But I, 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 I understand there's a, a possibility of you going out to, to Orlando soon, is there not, just? Well, yeah, I've, I've covered the whole of the pedalo. Right, that's good. It looks water ready. Excellent. Bit of silicon. Bit of silicon, straight across there, no hassle. Yes, there could be at the moment, yes. I yes. might might take a wander across there in a couple of weeks. I love it. It's, he is literally going for a wander across, might visit a theme park, got some work stuff to do, and then come back. The downside is Dunks is over there, so I'm not sure I'll bother. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You might have to put up with him for a couple of hours. That's awesome. Have you got a room sorted out yet? Dunks said I could bunk down with him he says something about spooning and cuddling and <laughs> that's with his oh, wife you, you don't want to start spooning it's with his spooning. wife he's going to be on the line it's fine uh, hello Roger Palmer UK who is having a rare chance to catch at Disney Brit Live so it's good thank you for listening we had lots of people who have uh, um, have sort of messaged in today with say because I kind of said what do you want to hear on the show he did ask whether we could have a discussion on, on Vinylmation uh, again because um, we don't talk about Vinylmation enough anyway we are going to move on because um Alan, I can't read that on air. That's just rude. Uh, <laughs> we're going to uh, continue the show. We've, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we have got the audio from the Oz the Great and Powerful uh, press conference that uh, Craig had the opportunity to go and uh, take part in. So we'll be back in a few moments. In the shadows of Mount Everest, a train awaits... But be warned, those attempting to reach the summit must face him.
Expedition Everest, the peak of adventure, only at Disney's Animal Kingdom Park. They are the elite. Drivers confronting the most punishing conditions. They are the new breed of test driver. Mercilessly putting cars through their paces. Who are these masters of the road? Test track at Epcot. See if you've got what it takes. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. This is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and when I'm in Britain, I listen to the Disney Brit Podcast. Oh, I like Bill Farmer. He was such a lovely man. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're still here, and uh, it's live on Orlando Sky Radio, the Disney Brit Radio Show. If you want to get in touch to us, want to talk to us, want to email us, you can do. You can get in touch with us via our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit Broadcast. You can also email us, radio at disneybrit.com, and you can also get hold of us at Disney Brit over on Twitter. So please do. Alan? Yes? When was the last time you heard this? Sorry. Uh, today. Today. <laughs> Um, as I said, uh, Craig went out to uh, well, went out to London. He went to London because he already lives in London and got the chance to go and see Oz the Great and Powerful, and got to go to the European press conference and was sat within inches of Mila Kunis. Um, I wasn't allowed to go because I've already got a restraining order um, and they wouldn't let me anywhere nearer. But has anyone seen Oz the Great and Powerful? No, Dunks, Dunks has, Dunks has, Dunks, oh, Dunks, Dunks has, yeah. He thinks it's a classic. I saw it the other week. I'll hold my opinion until you've heard what they say uh, in the interview. But this is uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. It's uh, out now in the UK. It's been out in the US a little while. But take a listen to uh, all of this and make your mind up yourself. So, um, Sam, I just want to start with you. Um, It's been a while since we returned to this world and to the books of Delphine Bomb. Were you intimidated at all by this or were you excited by the chance to put your own stamp on this world? Well, it wasn't about the... Um, yes, I was intimidated. I was actually very frightened to approach the project because there's so much love for the original Wizard of Oz picture, obviously, and people don't want their warm feelings toward this great classic solid. They don't want someone stepping on their fondest memories of their childhood. And that's why I stayed away from the script at first, and um, later when it came time to find a writer for another project, the script came across my desk and I thought, oh, I'll read it just because I'm looking for a good writer. And I fell in love with the story. And the story is one of a selfish man who deep within him has his heart buried. And he doesn't appreciate the friendship of his friend, that's right, his dutiful friend, or the love of his life that's right there. And he gets transported to a magical land of Oz. And there through the land of second chances and the love of that same friend, but now reincarnated as a monkey, and through the love of a good woman, Glinda, he wants to become worthy of her, and his good heart emerges, and he becomes a little more selfless. And I thought, that's such a sweet story. It's very moving to me. And the moment I had that feeling, I thought, I will be forgiven. If I can bring this feeling to the, the fans of the Oz books or the movie, 
uh, only a wicked old witch wouldn't want that picture to be made. I know this is one for all the cast as well. Was there one element, one thing in particular that convinced you to sign on the dotted line for this movie? And Zach, let's start with you and then work our way down. Well, uh, first and foremost, Sam Raimi. I think, um, I, I mean, I think I speak for everybody when uh, no one handles these movies better. He can make a giant, beautiful effects movie, uh, but that it's grounded and has heart and, and, and it has a foundation of really human characters. And um, I just, um, you know, when I heard it was happening, uh, I, I did everything I could to be involved because of, uh, of the great maestro, Mr. Sam Raimi. And uh, Michelle? Well, uh, I, I second that entirely. I mean, I think you'll hear that as you go down the line. Um, <laughs> so my answer is going to be kind of boring. It's a big sound I love it. Yeah, it is. And uh, Rachel? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. I, listen, I, I, I really love the script. I love the character. I wanted to uh, play somebody wicked and evil. Mm -hmm. I can't remember your question now. What was that? What drew me to yeah. the project? Yeah. Well, definitely the character and the script and the story. But yeah, Sam Sam Raimi is he is the wizard. He is the he's the man behind the curtain. He he uh, you're the wizard. I am the you're the wizard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the wizard that drew us all to the Emerald City. And uh, James, you've worked with Sam on other occasions now. So. Yeah, talk about reasons for not. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. No, uh, I uh, had three reasons I, I wanted to do it. Uh, first of all, I heard Sam was doing this movie, and um, that was probably the number one reason. I, I did the three Spider-Man films with him, and um, I've known him over ten years. And not only is he one of my favorite directors to work with, I'm you know a fan of his films. So. Uh, I, I jumped at the opportunity uh, to do this. Uh, I've also been a fan of the uh, world of Oz since I was a boy. I read all the L. Frank Baum books when I was a, a kid. And so uh, uh, I was excited because of that, that, they were, that I would be able to step into that world of my childhood imagination. And then um, I just wanted to be sure that uh, Sam, you know, had a sound approach uh, to the movie night. So, when I read the script, I saw that, um, of course, he had a, a very smart way to do it. That uh, I saw that they would they were going to be loyal and respectful of um, everything we lovers of Oz expect, and um, that there would be familiar things in the land of Oz that you know you need for it to be the land of Oz. Uh, you need the yellow brick road and the um, Emerald City and witches and flying monkeys and munchkins. But that you know now it's seventy plus years later, and that they would be able to capture this world um, in a much more spectacular and seamless way. They didn't need to rely on you know theatrical conventions like uh, um, men in um, lion pajamas with the faces cut out. Like they could create these magical creatures in in ways that are you know believable to the eye. And um, but even more. Than that, I thought um, I'll finish my long answer. I thought <laughs> that the uh, approach back to the land of Oz was just perfect. That they weren't going to slavishly try and um, recreate uh, a version, of, a new version of Dorothy. That um, you'd have like Dorothy in a little boy version or something like that. That 
the lead character was completely different. He was anything but an innocent young girl. He was not innocent. He was a he was a con man, and so that the way the audience would be brought into the familiar world of Oz would be completely new, and the trip through Oz and the way that the character interacts with Oz would be completely fresh. And and so I thought they had they had both. They were respectful of what they should respect, and they um, were innovative where they should be innovative. Hi there. It's a message, for, a question for Sam, actually, from my eight-year-old son. Uh, basically, he, he loved the film, both my boys loved the film, obviously, met the Angry Birds. Um, and what, what my eight-year-old boys in Manhattan is obviously got this amazing world of Oz and the Emerald City, but was there anything that you would like to have put in the film that didn't quite make the cut? Any ideas that either you couldn't create or just got cut out? Yes, there were so many ideas that didn't make the cut. And for me, it was um, about the characters' backstories. We just uh, had to bring the picture in a particular length. I mean, there was so much I shot with Rachel that I loved, and so much about her additional manipulations and levels of her manipulations that just for time I was unable to keep in. Michelle had a lot of great backstory that we filmed that had to do with her relationship with her father. The king was murdered, and by me. What's that? <laughs> no, I said murdered oh. by me. Oh, by you, yeah. <laughs> I trained for weeks with Max. That's right. I had a great magic show with James that we had to shorten. He really learned to put on a fantastic uh, presentation. But basically, I guess the job of most directors and storytellers is to just give the audience what they need, the seed, and let them grow the story in their mind, and come in here with a little bit of water and let them grow some more and put a little sunshine in. And that's what I tried to do, was try to just find those pieces that they needed and uh, tried to be very strict with it. And even at that, it's probably a, a longer version than it should be. But that's how I went about it. Thanks for the question. Um, as a director, all cats, did you take any uh, influence from the 1939 version? Was there any influence from the 1939 version? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think we all love the 1939 version, and this movie is almost uh, trying to be a love poem to that film. Um, I think it affected all of us in different ways. For me, it was the scariest picture ever made, and the, and the sweetest picture ever made, and the greatest musical ever made. So it affected us. Um, I think it's one of the three influences in the look of the picture. I'd say Denzel's drawing from the original Bond books was one of the influences. The Disney films, the animated films in the 30s, the whimsical background Stromberg, our production designer, delved deeply into to influence his work on this. And the Wizard of Oz film was the third visual influence. And, you know, the looks of many things regarding the film, so it was a big influence for us. And for the cast, did you draw on the 1939 film as well? Or did you, like James, read into the books as well? Zach, let's start with you. Um, I had never read books. Um, so I, I don't know. It's tricky for me to answer because I, I you know, I'm creating this new character. Um, whereas I'm, I'm maybe the the, um, the witches could answer because uh, because there's there's something to look to. Um, so I mean, I guess I, if, if, if if anything, I saw the monkey as being you know the, the comic relief in a way that um, that the animals, the lion and the, the scarecrow and the tin man were. So you sort of. Uh, physical, the physical comedy of it all. I, I, I think there was a, a couple of subtle places where um, Sam and I found to um, 
put in some, some fun physical comedy that was an homage to, to those three characters. And then Michelle? Um, uh, well, Sam and I had a conversation at the uh, when we were in rehearsals because I wanted to know if I was going to talk in a funny voice and wear like a big pink dress. And Sam was very, um, made a really great point, which was that Glinda in the original movie, there's a reason that she doesn't go on the yellow brick road uh, with Dorothy and her friends, it's because she doesn't need anything. And that makes her a little bit um, one dimensional. Um, and he wanted to bring out her uh, uh, more human qualities. So the, the original film, um, was an inspiration, has always been an inspiration, um, but it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't really like my leaping, my jumping off point. Um, the the books were the books were valuable to me. Okay. And uh, Rachel and Mila, the same question. Did you draw upon the, the films or, or the books or both? Um, my character Evanora is not in the books, right? Right. Yeah. So. Uh, I couldn't draw inspiration from the book. She's a made-up character by the screenplay writer and by Sam and by... Screenplay writer, yeah. Dave yeah. Lindsay and uh, Mr. Kattner. They made her up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was just... Um, uh, I, I guess in the, in the original, in the 1939 film, her feet uh, sticking out from under the house. So did you I take just, inspiration from her feet? Zach, I did. I did. Those ruby slippers I inspired noticed. me. I, I, anyone else yeah. didn't notice, I noticed. I internalized the uh, slippers and uh, changed them into black leather lace up boots because that's more Avenora's speed. And uh, Amila? Um, uh, the truth is, no, it didn't because um, I didn't want to emulate or imitate or, or do anything that would take away from the iconic character that was so created wonderfully and beautifully and will always remain so iconic. What I was given was a gift of a backstory. And so given the origin of the character and uh, humanizing her in a way um, and greeting her, I mean, she's very simple. If you look at it, it's just a girl who gets her heart broken, who doesn't know how to deal with pain, takes the easy way out, numbs the pain, and has an emotional transformation that just so happens to be mediated with a physical one. And uh, the second that she became human to me is when it made sense. Everything else was kind of very secondary. She's you know, a woman scorned who just so happens to know how to fly. Um, and that's the truth. I would never dare try to emulate something that's so beyond the iconic. Quick question for, for Mila. Um, was it enjoyable playing a character who went on a journey from innocence to evil? And secondly, could we in the future possibly be seen you can play a character who also needs innocence behind him with the shades of grey? That's just 50 shades of grey thing, it's just not going to leave, is it? No, you will not see me in 50 shades of grey, I'm so sorry. Um, Does that mean that I could audition? <laughs> it's all yours. Sorry, Very safe, but I will not be in the 50 days again. <laughs> <laughs>
this gentleman right at the back, and don't forget to put your hands in the front if you want to ask a question. So I thank you. Right at the front back, I'm leaving for the cameras. He's for the cameras, he's waiting for the hat. Well, how that? It's fantastic to have you here. My questions uh, to James and Leela. Um, obviously, ours is a spectacular showman. Um, we've just witnessed recently quite a memorable uh, performance from Seth at the Academy Awards. I wonder, Leela, as a frequent collaborator, and James, as a former host, of course, yourself, um, what you made of that performance, particularly the particularly company. You're about to be really disappointed by my answer. <laughs> um, I was flying, so I missed all of it, literally. I heard he did a fantastic job. I have no doubt that he did an amazing job. I do believe that Seth was born to host the Oscars. Um, he's so brilliant and so talented, and there's nothing that that man cannot do. So the little bit of clips that I have seen, um, he was great. I thought he, was, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, I heard he did a great job. I was uh, in Daytona uh, promoting this film, so I didn't get to see it. You and I both have the worst answers to some questions right now. <laughs> Sorry. There's a gentleman here in the uh, third room. Yeah, uh, just wait for my hi. Hello. I have a question. Is, is this all? Can you hear me? Yeah. I have a question for the three witches in the film. If you could cast any spell on any person, what would it be? Ladies. <laughs> who, who has a smart ass answer? <laughs> No, nobody? All right, I'll go. Um, if I could cast a spell on somebody, what would it be? Mm -hmm. I would cast a spell on Sam Raimi to hire me for every movie that he yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. You already cast that spell, baby. Uh, <laughs> that's true. It's what I would do. I love Thanks. Uh, I would cast a spell on Mila to have her do 50 shades. <laughs> Sorry, this is really important to that, obviously, because you're a cartoon character. But um, the costume is how you get into the, the role. Well, for the record, Zach did wear a costume with Zach. I wore a sexy blue onesie. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a picture of, but. Um, I have it. <laughs> you know, you think when you make a movie for six months that when you walk on set in a blue onesie, you, your cast members would eventually stop laughing at you. <laughs> but they didn't. Um, no, uh, the question was about costumes. Uh, then I really shouldn't answer it. I just had a blue onesie. Um, pictures to come. Dresses, ladies, they want to know about your sexy dresses. Oh, all the, all the, all the, all the, all the actors? How you became the monkey. I'm sorry, did it Oh, she said it doesn't oh. really apply. He was the only person you didn't need an answer to. It's really hard for me to stand in front of a microphone and not talk. I'm doing my best. I want to see you in the she 50 wants to shades know about of gray. The Everyone wants to know about the dresses. Come on, girls. Did the dresses help with getting his character? Is that, is that a big part of the, uh, of the process for you guys? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I answered it. It was it's the first time in my life that the costume 100% helped me um, realize the character. Because it does, it, I can say this for all of us, we're all corseted. And so the second you're in a corset, you end up walking differently. And every one of us wore heels and had to run in heels and do stunts in heels. And so it does change the way you hold yourself. And, and that in its own right helps you figure the character out for myself. 
Yeah, my, my character would have been nothing without the sequins, the feathers, the lashes, the corset, the boots, the, the nails. The nails, yeah. I mean, Evanora is a lot, and she her costumes a lot. And I, I mean, I'm, I've really only played characters who wear jeans and t-shirts and have a bit of a scrubbed face. But Evanora took a couple of hours to get get in place. Um, and yeah, her costume was hu hugely important, and I think told a big story about her character that she, uh, you know, these uh, feathers makes her look a bit like a bird of prey and a slightly militaristic because she's really a kind of a well wants to be a, well she's a military ruler of her army of baboons, her winged baboons. Sounds <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so the costume was like 99% of uh, of my character. And uh, I'm sure. Um, I don't really have anything worthwhile to add. Um, um, it, it, yes, when we, when we finally got it right, it was a long process getting to what you see um, on the screen. I think my costume... You wanted it to be like water. I wanted it to be like water. Yeah. I wanted it to feel like water. I wanted it to flow. I wanted it to drape. Um, and it start, my costume started out in a... In a Faux leather wraparound mini skirt with like raffia trim. It was not. It was so it became a really long. Sorry time. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I have those pictures. Um, uh, so it came. It came a long way because. Because um, you contributed a tremendous amount to it, and um, there we go into the final sequences. And Michelle thought this is just too feminine. I'm I'm going into battle now. I'm owning some responsibility. I had been waiting for the wizard, my character has been waiting for the wizard to do everything for me and I realize he's a fake and I have to start, I have to stop being a lady in waiting and I have to be a woman of action now. And those weren't her exact words but that was the sentiment I think behind it. She said, when I go into battle it's a little bit of a change and I need to have an outfit that represents that new state of mind that the character's in. She's not the princess anymore, she's going to war. So, that, I, so we designed a, a different version of the outfit at that point, reflecting her character's change. And I think that was true for a lot of the, some of the characters, like with, uh, with you, Rachel. Uh, Rachel presents herself in the film at first as the, um, well, the interim leader after the king has been poisoned, she rules the Emerald City, waiting for the wizard. So she's in a kind of a regal green, the green for the Emerald City. It's proper, it looks authoritarian, uh, it's got some authority to it in it. And it also looks like she is a bit of the nobility. But then when her character changes, or it's revealed that she is evil, her costume literally shows her true colors, and she goes black at that moment. And that's her costume for the rest of the picture. That's who she really is. Like you see a black bird of prey, or like a vulture, terrible thing. And all the costumes were kind of iconic in that way. They're just supposed to present who the character is. From yeah. Theodore's innocence, for her red, jaunty outfit, to her evil, wicked black. This very uh, simple approach to the wardrobe. Hi everyone, this is Craig Duncan. Please come and join me for my soul show every Sunday at 9 o'clock UK, 4 p.m. Eastern. You'll only find me on Orlando Sky Radio. Come by and say hi. We have visual contact. Go, go, go! <laughs> Make way for the big howdy, partners! Climb aboard! Carnivores versus pork bellies! You're on, old school! 
Your mission, get there. The all-new attraction, Toy Story Mania. It's 4D, which is one better than 3D. Oh, security! Oh. Eh, works every time. Now at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com. Your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands and arms inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. There you go, the interview uh, with uh, all of the cast and the director, Sam Raimi, of Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, the only bit that Alan picked up there is the fact that Mila Kunis has said she's not doing the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Yeah, I read it somewhere, and I thought, I'll, I'll double-check on it, because, you know, sometimes these celebrities say things at the press conferences, and the big <laughs> denial was that it's, she said it in the um, press release for... I was the great and powerful. I love it, the fact that on about six occasions during that, they mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey during a Disney movie press conference and got away and with it. Also, I don't know if you noticed, there was someone that was sitting not too far away from Dunks that was giggling. Yeah, she really was giggling all the way through that. Really movie. giggling. <laughs> that, that was actually Dunks. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. Well, Dunks really likes it. Dunks, his words to me was, he thinks this is going to become a Disney classic. Um, and I... I don't necessarily agree. It's not a bad movie by all all accounts. I enjoyed it. It's very much in the vein of sort of the live action Alice in Wonderland that sort of stuff. But I always I have a bit of a problem with these movies that sort of take this very fantasy based look with a massive amount of CGI, these big epic sort of um, layouts and all that sort of stuff, which is a little bit like Oz is and Alice in Wonderland and things like your, your Lord of the Rings movies. I just kind of feel it just it just annoys me a little bit and it just takes away from the story and the idea of what they're trying to create and it just doesn't sit brilliantly with me and it's all these movies where they have to have some sort of kind of battle epic battle at the end it's a journey yeah that, that i think that's what it is it's kind of journey movies quite like lord of the rings like, oh. episode two yeah and and alice in wonderland those sort of things which are like they're great films but they're just for me are not the sort of films that i particularly enjoy immensely uh you know uh, mila kunis is actually very very good in this as is zach braff um whether or not james franco is the ideal wizard i'm still unsure of rachel vice was okay maybe not quite evil enough for me but overall you know it was a good film it was worth seeing it's not a film i'm going to buy on dvd definitely not i've seen it you know i'm pleased i've seen it but that's that's really it's going to be about it but um you know, there's plenty of other films coming out from Disney that I'm sure are going to be excellent. So uh, there we go. There's some uh, press conference stuff from Oz the Great and Powerful. And uh, I suppose that means we've got a little bit of time for this. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Fire away. Well, that backfired, didn't it? Hang on. I was going to see, have we? There you go, it's working. <laughs> I pressed the button and the button didn't work. 
There we go. Right, so we've got some news and rumours just to go through with EU at the end of this show. Uh, just to let you know, firstly, over in the Magic Kingdom this week, a Iron Man 3 monorail has appeared at the uh, Walt Disney World. And uh, it's, as uh, much as we say this isn't probably big news, it's the first time I can think of that Disney have really embraced Marvel in a big way within the parks. And it also, interestingly, it's advertising Iron Man 3, which... In theory, isn't a Disney movie. It's actually a Paramount film, but because Disney own Marvel, that means they get a little bit of the profits too. But uh, it I'm is. Gonna, I'm going to put it there. Go on. Didn't they do an Avengers monorail? I don't know whether they did. I can't remember them doing an Avengers monorail. Just do you have any uh, news on an Avengers monorail? Um, I don't know who he's should I right. agree with. No, he's oh, dead right. Uh, yes, no, I no, think don't, they all don't, don't agree with Adam. Yes, there was an Avengers. Yes, monorail. Yes, definitely did right. one. Me and Alan went on it. It's the. Only the second time Disney have used anything Marvel. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not a Disney property, but you will now be able to go around and try and ride the Avengers, the uh, Iron Man monorail. He is flying down one side with Stark Not Industries. the Avengers one. Not though. the Avengers one, that's gone now. Oh, uh, just wow. the Iron Man one, which has got Stark Industries written across the bottom of it and Iron Man sort of flying along the side. So yes, all right, you're right, uh, Alan, I'm wrong. There was indeed an <laughs> Avengers monorail. Go well, then. Um, I completely forgot about that one, and now I see it. Now you just pick that picture up and I see it. I kind of go oh yeah I do remember that I think he's just done that with Photoshop really quickly (laughs) very very quickly I'm a wizard Photoshop are you universal monorail that one you are a wizard Alan (laughs) Um, so that's the Iron Man monorail if you do see it do jump on board and and see if he's on there. But wait for it to stop before you jump on board. Yes, otherwise it's dangerous. Yes, please don't do anything dangerous, otherwise you'll shut it down. Doesn't need any help doing that anyway. Right, Juz, uh, I understand Disney's good old gift voucher type things are back. Are they? they good are, on yeah. Next bit of news. Yeah. Woohoo! Uh, we're talking about the dollars, aren't we? You are talking about Disney dollars, yeah. So, see, I, I think this is a lie for starters, and it annoys me immensely. Um, I collect the Disney dollars. I have been doing for for eons, and bizarrely enough, I, I carry the same Disney one well, of the same Disney dollars I've had in my wallet for the last six years. Right. Um, and do you know what? It hasn't brought me any good luck, so I don't know why I keep it. But <laughs> do you know what? This is this in the economy we've had over the last few years has been hell. Yeah. And they don't advertise this enough. And I've always thought these are both the most best present ever to bring back. And I've brought them back before and given to people. And people have gone, wow, that is an awesome, a, you know, a $1 Disney dollar. And people think it's the best Ooh. gift you can ever bring back. Yeah, it's true. Just promote it. They are amazing. I've got a huge collection of them. I love them to pieces. I put them in frames. When Dunks goes across, I ask them to get the latest ones. Disney dollars, go to any of the guest relation places and buy them. They even give you a little holder for free if you ask, which is a nice sort of thing with a cutout window in it, like that's, an envelope. There's some really cool ones as well uh, with the ones that we currently got. Uh, is it Peter Pan? The $1 Peter Pan on, and Wendy on one side and Hook on the other. Is that right? Yeah, um, these are not my favourite. I'll be honest with you. I've seen nicer. Scrooge McDuck ones and all that. I've, I've seen nicer, but yeah, you've got Peter Pan knocking around with Wendy. Hook's cool. And then there's Ariel kissing some blokes. So the Ariel one is quite good. Cool. Ariel Ursula are quite like. The Peter Pan Captain Hook one I quite like. The 101 Dalmatian one's a bit random. They're um, a bit more colourful than normal. They I think are, they, yeah. have, they should have blended it down a bit. This is their, is it their heroes and villains sort of theme this yeah. time, isn't it? Which is okay. Just, just out of interest, because I've not really sort of played with these Disney dollars recently. Yeah. Can, can you just get them and spend them in the shops? Yes. Yes. Like so it's the same as a gift voucher. Value. Pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much the same as having a gift voucher, yeah. Except yeah. you take it home and you don't spend it. That's right. Yeah, just take it home and give it to someone. I mean, you could go in there and say, like, say you want, you go, I want $10, $1, and they can ask for little envelopes as well, which have Disney written on them all yeah. open. 
take them home and give them to people and go, look, look what I bought you. And the people love them when you bring them home because they're like, wow, I didn't know these existed. There you go. Disney Dollars is a gift. Um, you might remember this piece of music. Right, why are we playing that, Alan? Because it is an awesomely cool karaoke tune. Yeah. Technically, it is. It's a small you one. Sing. awesome karaoke tune. But basically, um, I can't remember what I was going to say about it now. Oh, yeah. Game, They're about to relaunch um, DuckTales, the Disney platform game. Yeah. And I think Capcom, the company who made it, have basically sort of spent a load of money and a lot of time and effort into rebuilding the game from the ground upwards. It's the same game, but new graphics, new, well, digitally remastered soundtrack, and I've done the same high-quality Disney game. <laughs> now, we had the conversation about this, didn't we? Uh, pre-show about Disney and their games, and we're trying to think of Disney games which are actually any good. Yeah. Um, and D- we struggled. D- Disney Interactive, you know, they've got a fantastic section of the company that do computer games and to be fair some of the iPad games and iPhone games are quite good where's my water awesome but it turns out that when Disney go onto a console they're not really that great no um, or historically haven't well, been DuckTales Kingdom Hearts was very successful that was okay the Disneyland uh, game for the Xbox 360 Connect was pretty good Epic Mickey was good Epic Mickey 2 I think is good I don't know I've got it but my son broke the Wii before I got a chance to play it <laughs> So I'm still waiting to play that one, but um, I don't know. Yeah, that weird thing to be this notori- notorious thing that um, yeah. Disney games. Are that great. new one coming out looks awesome. Which one's that? The oh, Infinity. Yeah, yeah I've seen that in the game on the idea. big screen. That yeah. looks amazing. That looks a bit different. So uh, I might give it a go and see what it's like. I suppose some of the time with like the big games, for example, Epic Mickey and this Disney Infinity, it's an yeah. outside company that's making it, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. So in theory, they've got experience. They're buying into the experience. Um, the, thing, the thing with this DuckTales game, by the way, is it's not going to be like a, a big game you're going to be able to buy in the shops. It's going to be like an online downloadable yeah. game. Which is even better, because it's you haven't got to go out for it, which is pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> you just stick it over home. you had the perfect game. perfect <laughs> game. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, moving on, last piece of news very quickly before we finish. Oh, I think there's a trailer, isn't there, on DisneyBrit.com for the, the announcement of that particular game. Yes, and right? it has got the karaoke for this um, tune. There we go, it's got the karaoke for this tune. And it actually is karaoke, you can sing along and everything. Just last couple of minutes, over the past couple of weeks, Disney have announced uh, some information with regards to um, Disney Springs, which is now going to take over from Hyperion Wharf. You may have heard all about this Hyperion Wharf thing uh, that we were talking about, and they scrapped it and all that sort of stuff. Well, Disney Springs is now coming. It's apparently going to look like a Floridian-style village or town, which has this springs at its very centre. It's supposed to be reminiscent of uh, sort of old-style Kissimmee, where um, both Lily and Walt got married. So that's the kind of idea behind it. It's going to have several sections. Town centre, the landing, the marketplace, and the west side. The west side's not really going to change very much. The market place will get a bit of a sprucing with some possible new places you've got the town center which will again will have a new shopping outlets in there as well the architecture is planned to be a little bit mediterranean in style the landing is supposed to be the dining experience side and will have waterside views for guests who want to dine inside or outside and look over the lake and there's a list a huge list of things that people are possibly looking 
at buying uh, uh, when they sort of go to uh, not buying moving in basically different companies including some UK companies as well so if you want to find out more about that the best thing to do is to head over to disneybrit.com and take a look at all of that if you just look for a detailed look at Disney Springs you'll find all the information for that over there that's it that is the end of the show we've done a full hour can you believe it already we've managed to that has gone pretty quick that has gone pretty quick. I think the 20 minutes where I slept through the interview, that would even quicker. <laughs> um, thanks for that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that's the end of the show. So uh, thank you for joining me, Alan. No problem. Anytime. Thank you for joining us a little bit, Jez. Yeah, anytime, every two weeks. <laughs> every two weeks. Yeah, every two weeks indeed. Uh, but that's the bit of this section where me and Jez have to say quiet. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the funny bit, and they carry on talking on Skype. Um, don't forget Find you me can... Your Facebook. Here's the telephone number. Of course, contact Twitter. us via our Twitter account, which is at DisneyBrit. Um, uh, oh, what's this all about? Uh, oh, Roger Palmer's put, oh, a shout-out on DisneyBrit. Didn't expect it to be live. Of course it's live. Wait. Why wouldn't it be? I'll oh, forget it anyway. And Alan, why? I'd, I'd be clicking like here if there was a like button. Did I miss oh, yeah. part of the um, That was because we gave a shout out to Stacy for the birth of Ralph. Oh, yes, we did. So, yeah, little wreck it himself. Um, if you want to keep up to date with all the news and rumours and all the bits and pieces, maybe you can listen to the show again if you're listening live. You'll find that over on DisneyBrit.com so you can contact us at DisneyBrit on Twitter and by emailing us radio at DisneyBrit.com We've got loads of really good things coming up in April. It's kind of like just like the television... Uh, Challenge all do a bit of a refurb and bring new things in. We've got some new things to introduce to you from two weeks' time, so look out for those. And uh, that's pretty much it. Don't forget our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit Podcast. You can enjoy that over there. And uh, continue to ring in with your uh, with your best Magic Kingdom memories. Okay, we want to hear your best Magic Kingdom memories. If you're in the UK, you can ring the UK number. If you're in the US, you can ring the US number. And I am frantically trying to find the UK <laughs> number. There it is. If you're in the UK, you can ring Oh, why are you laughing at? It's, it's, it's not like going live, this, is it? 0121 And if you're in the US, you can ring 407-545-7980. Leave us a message, as a few people have, and it will all become clear as to why we're asking you to ring in about your favourite parts of the Magic Kingdom. But that is pretty much it. That is the end of the show. We will see you for the next Disney Brit in two weeks' time. And next week, it is the Disney Island Discs radio show, where we're going to be looking at reworkings of Disney classics sort of remakes of original songs and we'll be bringing those to you uh, next Monday that's at 4pm GMT 9pm Eastern so until then we'll see ya <laughs>